Lights. Camera. Cinemagic. Hooray! Hey. And now we're going to so roll that intro. And we're going to do roll the, the dance. Intro. Roll the intro. Roll the intro. Framing, framing, framing. Cinemagic. Framing, 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 cinemagic, camera, camera, light, splish, splash, light, light, light. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, but I'm so happy I'm on a dance intro. <laughs> Welcome to another week of cinemagic. <laughs> Uh, if you don't know, we're always dancing these intros, so uh, we're, we're, we're coming off high energy and exercise. Very. Jazzercise, baby! Uh, yes, and as you heard from our lovely voice, we have another guest this week. We're the same guest from last week. <laughs> uh, as always, I'm your host, Jonathan Gondwal, with my co-host, Rick Acevedo. And what? here we have, let her introduce herself, because now she's an old head at this podcast. Alessandra Corral. Exactly. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so thank you, Ali, for being here on another week of Cinemagic. That's uh, we right. really liked having you last week. Uh, I like smiling and talking to you and having someone nice to talk to besides Rick, because not the nicest. Uh, Wait a minute. I'm gonna interrupt this whole situation. Hold on, because I, I have a problem with this here now. Okay, I put on my fine Italian hat that we bought together. I put on my scarf. I even had it like this for a period, which makes it very uncomfortable. And you're saying it's not nice to talk to me? Like a tourist, not like Italian. Sorry. Uh, we are very Italian. Uh, the outfit that I am wearing, I got my Coppola hat, baby blue, with my nice uh, blue scarf there. And my Italian shirt, again, from this week that I bought from Italy with my clocks and times on it. I looked so Sicilian when walking around uh, uh, Palermo. Your names are very Sicilian. Can you see? Those look yes. somewhat familiar. Are those Isola Bella? Isola Bella, yeah. Isola Bella, that's right. Shout out to Isola Bella. My that's nice. That's Ali does not like our outfit. She says we look too much like tourists, but yeah, I think Rick. You, you are very tourist. <laughs> no, Rick and I look very. Sorry. Cool, very... No, 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 Italian don't wear like this. No. no. <laughs> all of this in Palermo. All of this in Palermo. Yes, for tourists. And what really, and what really bothers me about this is John. When we were purchasing this, I don't know if you remember, the lady said. Yeah, not the Coppola, but the scarves. I bought a shirt that day, and the lady says something about my weight, and you're like, what? What's she talking about your weight for? Come on, man. It's not like it's not like everyone here is a freaking toothpick. Yes, you went for a medium shirt, and she's like, oh, that's not U.S. medium. That's going to be maybe too small for you. And I, I did go, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> You've been eating pasta all day long. You're talking to me about my weight. <laughs> we were average size of everyone else there. So yeah. it's just kind of like, what are you telling us? <laughs> we are too big for this. Uh, it was very funny. 
we had a lot of good times, obviously. <laughs> which we're gonna talk about today, is really shooting the film. So last week you kind of heard about how Triskelion Productions came together. So this week we, we wanna give you that behind the scenes stories that we weren't telling you from last week, mm -hmm. really about the film and saving mm -hmm. it for here. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that, as always, we wanna ask recommendations. I'm gonna do it at the top this time and not at the bottom. <laughs> so recommendations, we're gonna to go to Rick first, then myself, then we'll follow through with Ali. Rick, any recommendations for this week? Uh, my recommendations is if you have Disney Plus, check out uh, Wolverine and the X Men. I think it's a tremendous series. It was only a one season series, obviously, ran for 26 episodes. But it is still amazing, holds up very well to this day, even though it's 12 years old, approximately. So check it out. And I'm going to do another plug for Resident Alien on Sci Fi. Uh, it is amazing and great wherever you are. Please see this. Um, it is so great. The body work that Alan Tudyk is doing is hilarious. The kid actors are really good. Uh, and if anybody knows anything about acting, getting children to act very well, it's a hard, hard thing to do. Uh, just because they're children, right? Um, but this is great. Great child actors, uh, great regular actors. Alan Tudyk is killing it as an alien. Uh, good diversity, some Native American representation and everything else. It's an amazing show. And if you're not watching it, watch it. Just going to say again. I, I just have to shout that out. And Ali, any recommendations? <laughs> All of this one that you should. <laughs> <laughs> I just did this every, every week. So but the only thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I well, like, I like, every week I like more. So I okay. As our, our resident Italian uh, member, what about, is there any Italian movies or shows that you're watching that you should tell our American no, audience? I, for? No, I don't watch Italian movies. I prefer American. So oh. <laughs> I'm, no, so I'm didn't not you tell me, didn't, didn't you tell me, didn't you tell me about a preview, of, a preview, an animated Luca? That's the one, yeah. Could you tell us what, um, uh, what I you saw? I just saw the trailer of Pixar of this uh, movie, Luca, and uh, and I saw the setting is in Italy, so that I'm very proud of this <laughs> for the first time <laughs> in Italy, right? I, for a Pixar movie, yeah. I believe. I believe so. I, believe so. I don't... Did any of the Disney movies take I place think, in Italy? I think Cars might have gone to Italy for a little bit, but not the whole thing. Did, there's no Disney movies that take place in Italy, right? Um, there are car Italian characters, but the setting... Um, I, oh, Pinocchio! Huh? Giuseppe! Oh, Pinocchio! Ah, ma Giuseppe, yes. Firenze. Geppetto, no Giuseppe. That's our fault. Pinocchio's father, So, Pinocchio's father is not Giuseppe. That's his uncle. His uncle, like, that's Geppetto's brother. That's from Pinocchio to the Revenge. Nice job covering up. Hey, John, I'm here to help you, brother. Yeah, I know. It's a lesser scene movie. Yeah. Wait, real quick. Are you a fan of horror movies? Horror, yes, I, I love the conjuring. Uh, conjuring, uh, I don't know what you say, conjuring. Yeah. Yes, conjuring. Mm -hmm. Okay, no, because in Italian we say conjuring, I don't know why. And <laughs> Annabelle, uh, La Llorona, uh, 
Yes. Oh, just because the uh, long legacy of Italian horror films. That's why I was just asking, because Italians are known for having very good horror films. Dario Argento. Dario Argento is a little bit old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you know, you have that tradition, that long tradition. I'm a, I'm a fan of horror too, so I know. I know. <laughs> so thank you for all the great recommendations for this week, everyone. Uh, go and watch all those things. Let us know how you like them when you comment on this uh, on this podcast. So, <laughs> so it's a great time to now talk about really. So uh, ourselves and Betty Paoli. This is the film that brought Triskelion production to life. We all met each other. We're all filming this. Uh, Ali has this great idea to rebrand the company uh, because at one point it's really only Rick and Ali at a point. Yep. So rebrand and bring us into it. And so Triskelion is born and it's born with these great outfits like we described. Uh, <laughs> with my nice Coppola hat uh, <laughs> and our fedoras. And the scarf. Even though Ali doesn't like them, this is what made Triskelion. It's the outfits. <laughs> At first, at first, Jonathan and I had discussed having uh, a um, a logo where it was like, um, you know, like us with our hats mostly, and it was going to be called Hat Scallion. But Alessandro apparently thought that was not very spiritual. <laughs> so that conversation didn't go anywhere. Um, you know, I'm sad about it, but. <laughs> So we heard a little bit that this movie is the brainchild of Allie, really. She came to you, Rick, saying, we have this story I really want to tell. That's from yeah. Palermo. Yeah. So what drew you in to do it? And a question for Allie, which everyone wants to answer this first. What made you decide this was the story that needed to be told? Why did you decide this story should be a movie, a documentary in some sense? Well, I think I can definitely shed some light in that on that rather. So, uh, you know, searching for uh, for Betty Paoli is based. It's it's really about the Betty Paoli, which were written about by this writer in a book called E. E. Betty Paoli. De Luigi Natoli. De Luigi Natoli. Um, I heard the story from Allie. She gave me the details. It was about this sect that may or may not have existed in the in 1700s, late 1600s, early 1700s. I start researching it, and I see that they had done a movie in, like, the 1940s. It was a terrible movie. Um, clearly, they didn't have this thing called a budget or a director. <laughs> and I start asking Allie specific details about what she knew and she tells me that you know this sect would hold trials underground underground and then she starts talking to me about the underground in in specifically in Palermo right and I was like underground like is the is the underground real and she's like yeah and she shows me pictures of the underground area and I'm like, holy underground movies, Batman. We got to do this. Because, because we had spoken, because Alessandro had a lot of Italy's, Italy, ideas about Italy and Sicily specifically and all of that and had shown me things. 
And they were all really interesting, and she had told me stories, like stories about the little girl that they embalmed in the, you know, in the in the catacombs and stuff like that. And it was all really interesting and really important. And then all of a sudden, she drops this thing on me and gives me all the details, and I'm like, "This is it!" And I became obsessed, yeah. and we had to do it. Full of full uh, of mysterious stories. So that's just one of the most. Yeah. So she tells me, and you know, at that point, I started going to a filmmaker's best friend, which is for research, which is um, either Google or YouTube. And in, <laughs> and in Google, I was running into dead ends. But in YouTube, I was running into odds and ends that I thought we could use for people that were, in some cases, so-called experts. And I'll get into that later because I'm dying to tell this particular story, but I'm not going to tell it yet. And and Ali started doing the groundwork, pre-interviewing people, uh, figuring out what she hated doing. She was like, Ricardo, um, <laughs> ma no me dice que, ha, que haga questa cosa perché io non sono public relations. <laughs> Like this. No, <laughs> you're a liar. When you're mad, when you're mad, you do. You're like Ricardo. <laughs> ma yo no quiero esta cosa. Ma questo hombre es un stronzo. <laughs> no, no, son a bujardia. Bujardo. So, so Al, so Ali, let me. Since you're saying you don't talk like that, so tell us a little about that, right? So you were interviewing people pre-planning, trying to figure out who we could talk to, right? It was very difficult to interview people for this story because it's a very because it's a legend. So many people thought it was a real story, and it was a very de dedicated, right? And um, I had to try uh, a way. To, to let people talk me about they know of the story. Uh, yes, I I did, but with many people. Enrique. So, yeah. so maybe we should tell them, and Rick, you can handle this, tell them a little bit about what the story is. So our listeners, not too much, watch our documentary, but just a little over here. So, so I'm just going to tell you about the Betty Paoli per se and not not obviously the documentary because you know we want you to to watch um so the betty Paoli, like i said were a sect in this in the 16 1700s in uh in italy and essentially they were robin hoods in a way they would fight for the poor they would of uh, like take nobles who were abusing the poor through high taxation high rents things like that and they would basically hold them accountable by, you know, having holding this midnight trial. They would they would grab them, you know, take them underground through the tunnels, take them into a courtroom, and then essentially judge them. And uh, was that a sect? You know, uh, the judging was, um, you know, it it could it could mean that they would end up dead. If it was if it was so necessary because the abuses were too much, 
now to put it in context if you understand you know the history of it how those times were specifically you know there was no middle class you know there were either the very wealthy or the very poor and it was the poor that essentially had to do the bidding and do the answer and at least in italy and that's the way that it was presented several times over so the the betty paoli were this group of avengers they were avengers basically they were they were hooded in black all in black they you know black hoods black silk robes what have you and they had a very interesting way of finding information which was by you know going through confessionals and things of that nature so it was you know it was a very interesting uh group and it was a very interesting story all altogether to me anyway and, and after hearing that there was no way i could not be involved in this film if you want to know from last week why i was so passionate that's the pitch i got what the story was about and knowing our current political climate and everything else how could you not want to make this story right yes <laughs> absolutely absolutely how could you not, how could you not? And, uh, and i want to say uh, some people think this story is real because the place is told in the in the book uh, really exists that's why many people think they were real exactly and so and rick when you're getting this information about um and ali's doing these interviews and you're trying to find people what what's next what comes up like do you already have your vision of exactly what this film's going to be about you're still trying to put it together I, what's coming up i had a vision which was basically to have a documentary where people where we would have because what i had seen was that there was a lot of um there were a lot of academics that had a specific idea on 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 what this was but then there were a lot of more common people for lack of a better word um not act non-academics working people things like that street vendors that had their own idea of it that had grown in the folklore folklore of the city and and stuff like that. And so I thought the best way to tell a story that does not have a conclusive ending is by laying out what's known and then having different areas of thought in order to be able to sort of close it out as best as you can because it's not a, it's it's not a story that's been concluded. You know, so we cannot be the ones that have that conclusion, no matter how much research we do. But in terms of how we present that story, and that's how I, how I thought about it from the get-go, because, and all the people that we met, you know, John, had very different point of views. And we interviewed journalists, we interviewed an archaeologist, we interviewed a, a professor, we interviewed more, you know, normal everyday people, right down to Angry Santa. So, it, you know, <laughs> I knew, I knew that that's the way that it had to be told specifically because that's what we had to work with and i knew right away it's like okay this is how we're gonna have to do it knowing that it's gonna be like this <laughs> you know it's it's a wavy story so i knew right away that that that's really the way that the story had to be told you know ordinary people think it's true while academics claim it's just a legend. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Ali, during your pre-interviews, 
were you having, a, and you said you were having a hard time for people to just kind of talk about where, what they felt about it, right? Uh-huh, yeah. And so um, is that why, Rick, you flew over the first time or tell us that story, why you flew over? Because you told us you flew over a couple of times. Um, I flew oh, over, okay. I, I flew over a total of three times before, before we even started shooting. So, um, the first time that I flew over, Ellie had already done some pre-interviews with people. And I said, okay. And, and one of them, I had already kind of told her, reach out to this guy. And I'm not going to call him by name, but Jonathan, you know who I'm talking about. You never met him. But let's just say he's a character. Anyway, um... <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to meet with these people okay and that's why I flew over the first time and there's a reason why it took three trips <laughs> because <laughs> so, so I go and I talk to these people and most of them seem like gung-ho to want to help and want to be a part of it and want to be involved in it and we figured okay this is this is where they're going to fit in the character took notes on a meeting where he talked throughout the entire meeting he talked alessandra didn't talk alessandra said five words i counted john you understand me <laughs> i said no words except ciao and buongiorno that's it <laughs> And I don't even count those as real words because I'm not Italian, so I'm damn sure that they weren't even correct. They weren't even right. Okay? And so I'm here with this guy. I felt, I almost fell asleep, and I was trying so hard not to fall asleep in the middle of this meeting. Because the guy just talked for, I swear, about an hour. Brought some girl into the meeting that I don't even know what her place was. Yeah, because I never, I. Like, I was like, wait a minute, hold on a second. This is not what... So we're in this coffee shop. I'm almost falling asleep. He's taking notes of what he's saying. <laughs> he's giving himself notes. He Can you freaking understand this? Jonathan. He wanted to be the director. No. Jonathan, Jonathan, you're, you got a theater background. You know that you don't give yourself notes. People give you notes. Yes. You teach speech. You do you all all these things that you're knowledgeable. You know that that's not how any of this works. But I digress. You called yourself the calm one? I am the calm one. Imagine that. Because if you have been in this situation, bro, I can only imagine. I, you would have been like, Allie, why is he talking so much? <laughs> so that was the first trip. And we had notes and everything, and everyone had already sort of agreed to what they were going to do. So we thought at that point that we were ready. It's like, okay, trip two would be scouting locations, getting permits and stuff like that. Because we had one more person who interviewed that I was not able to interview that trip. Trip two, we're going to do this. You know, we're going to do the scouting, do more interviewing and stuff like that. And then, but things happen. <laughs> They happen, you know, life happens. So, so yeah, I'll leave that open. <laughs> you can, you can, you can, you can ask anything now because I, I already explained the first trip in detail. 
<laughs> so we'll just say that that broke down <laughs> with the with the guy. Was it the first trip or the second trip where that broke down? The guy in the cafe. Second trip. Second trip. Okay, so you're so first trip, you're all good to go. Second trip, scouting location and permits. Mm-hmm. What happens in the second trip? So second trip, I I tell Ali. We change oh, everything. <laughs> Wait, wait, let me, before we get into this, so Ali, how did you feel after the first trip? After Rick came, did you feel like everything was good to go? We got this? After the first trip, everything was very good for me, but after the second, you know, Rick tells me. <clears throat> I go second trip to Italy, and uh, you can't hear me? Allie, can you hear me? Yes? I can hear you now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I go to the first, uh, I go to the second trip in Italy. Everything's great. Um, Everything had been great. I I go then interview uh, what would then become the crush of Jonathan's life, um, Dr. Manzella. The great Dr. Manzella. The fantastic Dr. Manzella. Amazing. She had... She asked us a lot. She was incredible. So we go interview Dr. Manzella. That was great. Um, Then I had told Ali, I said, find somebody who can do BTS photography and video because that might help us later on. She said, I'll find somebody. And she started talking to this guy. I won't say his name. I'll just call him Photoshop Beard. Um, Photoshop Beard. so this is a guy that Ali says look this is who this guy is he's a photographer he's got experience with rye and sky and all this stuff fine it's great because I know I know I know what that means I check him out and I'm like you know there's something really weird about this I didn't tell Ali that (laughs) but I look I look, I look in his Instagram and I'm like, every time I see a picture of him, yeah, he's smiling and everything. He looks like a very positive person, a lot of smiling, but there's just something off. Because he had a beard. But a John, but yeah. it was a meticulous... His eyes color too. It's meticulous, perfect black beard. Not a hair out of place. Not I one. mean... Not one, not one. I mean, this guy did not have, you know, like the pube face problem. No, he had yeah, a not even like shave marks. Like perfect. No, marks. dude, it was the most perfect thing you have ever seen in your entire life. This dude's beard and his <laughs> eyes. And I'm like, it's weird. Now I go first trip. I get up the next morning after being up for 35 hours, I believe. And we're meeting with two people. We're meeting with with uh, the amazing Dr. Manzella, who said she would help us out. She was great because um, she's an expert on the underground and stuff like that. Um, just a brilliant woman. And then all of a sudden, I meet Blackbeard. Now, to put this in context, you know... I'm an epileptic. I had had a seizure the night before, and I'm not afraid of saying that. That's not, like, a thing that worries me to speak about. It's not a big deal. 
So every time after you have a seizure, you feel like a little bit weird, like like you have a little bit of a headache, and your your slow your response time is slower. Allie and I are sitting in a cafe. Okay, she's like, "Oh, here's such and such. Here's Blackbeard. Here's Photoshop Beard." He comes in, and I'm like, "I look, I look like a scared older person who is." disoriented because I'm like this isn't him he's got blue eyes alright and he does not have a green and he does not have a beard like I mean he's got like four or five hairs on each side of his face you thought it was your jet lag right I thought it was my jet lag I thought it was my seizure I thought I was like going crazy (laughs) and I'm just staring at him and Alessandra's trying to like like stop staring dude you're making it weird (laughs) And I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm, what? And she's just looking at me like, just, mm-hmm. just don't say more, just don't say anything more, dude. Just smile and pretend like this is normal, because she could tell. Now, once, <clears throat> once we had that meeting with that guy, he was he didn't have the best attitude towards um, Allie. We even went. You know, I, I, I invited everybody, I treated us all to a horse uh, horse carriage ride through Palermo and everything. And he seemed to more want to talk to me than he did to Ali, which was not... That already started giving me a bad feeling. Now, we were going to work with a puppet theater um, called the... What was it? The, yeah, that I won't say. And they had already said yes, and we were going to have a second meeting. They canceled. So already the second trip already starting to feel like, uh, like this is the dregs now. What are we going to do? And at that point, Allie tells me she's like, some things are not feeling right here. You remember the first guy I talked uh, talked about from the first trip? Mm-hmm. All right. So Talk to himself for an hour. Took some notes. Yeah. So he, he he came back with his notes, wearing a members only jacket. Members only, mind you. Because <laughs> um, it was colder in Palermo around those times. He comes back wearing his members only jacket, and he's he's got a bad attitude that day, and he starts talking out to Ali, not me, not even addressing me, and. He pulls out his notes. We're in the table inside of the restaurant, and he pulls out his notes. And he tells Allie, he says, Well, so, okay, if I understand this correctly, I'm going to be interviewing everybody, and plus I'm going to be doing the voiceover, and I'm going to check over the, the scripts, the interviews. Tell, tell, him, tell him, Allie. Tell Jonathan yeah. what he said. And he wants to be a super supervision. Remember? Yeah. Remember? Supervision of everything. And I, I never said I never said to him that. So at that so point, he's just like I'm the supervisor now. At that point, supervisor. Yeah. At that point, dude, I was a little bit weak physically, but my my pulse started to. I was seething. And I, you know how I am when I'm mad. I start to tremble. And I'm trembling under the table. And Alessandra looks at me and she looks at him. And he starts 
So she said, that's not what I said to you ever at all at any point. And he starts yelling at her. <laughs> like that. All right. Give me Rick be calm. And she's and she's and she's like trying to just nudge me to be calm because I'm like, I'm getting testy now. Dude, I'm Puerto Rican. You wanna you wanna go, we're gonna go. We we're gonna go. I'm, I'm from the Caribbean, baby. That's how we're gonna do it. We're gonna go street, we're gonna go street like five minutes from now. And I'm not saying that I'm street, I'm just saying I can get street because that's just a Caribbean thing we got. Right? So the, right. the guy, the guy basically starts yelling at her, and she starts doing this thing where she starts speaking to him very soft tone, and that's pissing him off like way more. <laughs> and I just all of a sudden I punched the table, and this was a very hard table, it's like made out of granite, but I punched it so you could hear everything like the plates bounce and everything. And I'm like, listen. You son of a bitch! You're a son of a bitch! And I stopped thinking, like, I stopped thinking completely so my insults, like, weren't calculating time. And I was like, you're a son of a bitch! You're a son of a bitch! And you're a son of a bitch! And I'm pointing at him, and he's like, you calm down. I said, I'll kick your ass, old man! I will kick your ass! And she, Alessandra's, like, completely quiet at this point. She's like, I want to disappear in that moment. She's like, <laughs> And when he disappeared, she's like, and then she looks at him and says, Excuse me, <laughs> just like barely audible. And the old, like at that point, and I didn't know because things were getting so kind of out of hand. I think the restaurant had already called the police, and I was leaving as the police was coming in. And Alessandra was, Come on, let's go. Do not address the police because they're going to want to address you, and you don't know Italian. So quiet down and calm down. And the man comes out and starts almost like calling us out, like, I'm like, hey, you say one more word. Say one more. And she's like, she's like, it's okay. We'll get you a cannoli. You can calm down. And I'm like, oh, so at that point, we realized a lot of people were abandoning the ship before it even took off and it's like okay now we have to start over and you know at right around that time is the time where you came in because ali during a third trip reorganized everything got new people to talk got everything She's like, don't worry, we'll handle this. I know it's frustrating, but now you need to be quiet and not get angry anymore and let me handle it. And so she handled everything, got all the people, and that's, we go into three, trip three, where uh, all the pre-production, everything got locked down. You know, we, we, we were able to get everything done, and that's when uh, when you came in and Mike. See so when we say Allie is the mother of Triskelion, we really mean it. Because yes. if, it, if it wasn't for her, Rick would be in Italian jail for <laughs> for assault, <laughs> assault, assault, Italian jail. If it really wasn't for Allie, we would not be here, no. especially Rick. Exactly. 
So, um, so, so that's some uh, uh, some funny stories. So now we are all filming in Trick Three doing pre-production. Uh, pre um, any funny any funny stories? So we don't have to go step by step. Any funny stories that any of you want to highlight? When you was here. When you were here. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. When I was here. Because you were here. <laughs> when when well one of my funniest stories um in one of the trips i went to a cafe with ali i said i'd like to try sicilian cannoli because i've never had an authentic sicilian cannoli and so ali orders for the two of us she orders a big cannoli and a small cannoli all right I obviously not the knowing the, the small, small one, one for her. her. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and so, <laughs> so, so, so the plate comes and it's got one big cannoli and one small cannoli. Now it's one plate. And I go on and I eat my cannoli and then I proceed to eat her cannoli. And she's like, why? Where's my cannoli? I, I said, what do you mean where's your cannoli? They just brought that big one and then that ceremonial little one, which I thought was just a part of the big one. I, She's like, no, it's my freaking cannoli. I just don't want to eat a whole big one. What's wrong with you? It was a point. I was like, and then that, that led off to a, to a terrible cannoli addiction that was a six a day habit. <laughs> yes, I was going to actually bring that up. All the time we were filming uh, Bethy I have to say it was fueled by mostly cannolis for Rick over here. <laughs> and Cremino. He, yeah, he did literally eat about six big cannolis. And I mean big cannolis. Not, if you ever got them in the States, also you may ten. think they're in the Also 10 big cannolis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 10 big cannolis. Oh, he ate, he ate cannolis as much as I was drinking bottles of wine. He was, he was eating cannolis. <laughs> Yeah, lateral effects too. <laughs> every night, every night, every night. <laughs> but can you hear me, guys? Yeah. Now we can. Okay, that's weird. So okay, so one of the funniest things would have to be Jonathan's reaction to the hotel breakfast. Now, oh, oh yeah, Jonathan, I'm gonna let you talk about that. Because in your first trip, I remember we were staying at a nice hotel. The, the Astoria Palace is a nice hotel. But we it, they had a like a breakfast buffet every morning for a certain time. And <laughs> Jonathan, you got to tell so, the story. Come on, man. So, you know, me, myself, I'm worried about my sugar intakes and levels. So bre breakfast a lot. I get fresh fruit. So fresh fruit, hotel lobbies. I'm very used to having fresh fruit. That's what I get. So the breakfast bar, we go down, they only have canned, like, fruit, like canned syrupy fruit. Del Monte. Can, uh, pastry, Del Monte. Del Monte fruit. And then they have pastries. So they had, like, eggs and stuff and yeah. meat, but nothing like fresh fruit. And every morning, I could look outside our window and balcony and see literally where all the fresh fruit gets, like, made, not made, but gets together in the city. And where they give it out to the fruit vendors in different hotels before they send them out around the city. So I got to look out of my balcony every morning, fresh fruit, and then go downstairs and they never had fresh fruit. And I got so angry because I was yeah. like, it's next door. 
It's just next door. You don't even have to go far for next fruit, fresh fruit. It's next door. It was aggravating. It was aggravating. I literally would have to go outside to go next door to a fruit stall to buy fresh fruit because they couldn't figure out where to get fresh the, fruit from. The best next part. Door. The next door. The, the <laughs> best, the best, the best Jonathan story. The best Jonathan story was when he wanted to declare war on Palermo because of the popcorn. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. <laughs> so we, we've talked about this before. My love of popcorn. I eat popcorn every day. So. The multisala. They don't no. sell popcorns for people come without to see the, the field. Okay. Yes, this is, I'm going to say this. This is the only place that I've been to that has not let me walk inside a movie theater and just buy popcorn, which is the only thing I was asking for. I just wanted to walk in a movie theater, buy some popcorn, and leave. So you had to, to buy the ticket, and then they sell you popcorn. In Mexico, I was able to buy popcorn in a movie theater. Okay, but it's also the multi I, I told you. In Germany? In okay. Belgium, in England, in all kinds countries. You were in the wrong place. <laughs> all right. Oh, Every country I eat Haiti, Puerto Rico. I've been to the Bahamas, and every country has let me go into the movie theater and buy popcorn, except for Italy, which I was very angry. I walked around because for hours. We don't need the popcorn. We have the most. Uh, Good food in the world. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, no, see, you need some popcorn in your life. That's some good business practices, okay? <laughs> it's the best thing. Street vendors should be selling popcorn. It is not blessed for you because you are a lover of popcorn. <laughs> yeah, I know, and that's why I was declaring war yeah, in Italy. No, Italy is not the for you. But, but, the war, but the war declaration was over after a little while. He had his wine, and that helped, you know. Um, yeah, I did popcorn from the supermarket but i literally walked around for hours and went into every movie theater i could find and asked them for popcorn me and google translate uh it, it was a at that time i did call i called my partner while i was walking this whole time and i mean hours of walking just angry and pissed that i could not find popcorn it's <laughs> just getting angry calls for me rick is calling to check on me like you okay and i'm like no popcorn. <laughs> Greatest, but I wasn't I wasn't as worried about Jonathan because <clears throat> when we went there to shoot, um, you know, once we'd been able to secure all the permits and stuff. And by the way, that's a big lesson today: secure your permits. Um, yes. We I remember one day we were shooting. We were doing all these underground shoots, and we're carrying like Jonathan's carrying the green screen, the lights, and the cameras. Or no, I was carrying the cameras because it was a much smaller bag. Jonathan's carrying the green screen. He's walking around carrying the green screen. And all of a sudden, the bag breaks. He's like, oh, um, yeah. Rick, we're not going to be able to carry this much longer. This thing is broken. And I can't carry it like this because they're going to think I'm like a musician, you know, with a case of a bad broken instrument or something. I said, all right, um, if you think you can buy, if you think you can find it, go you know, just go make sure we'll go down the street though, because we only got forty-five minutes in between shoots. We were by the grandfather, the Godfather Three stairs. The theater, yeah. Like, no. The theater. Uh, 
Yeah, we're by those stairs, and I told Jonathan, I said, can you, you think you could be here in 45 minutes? Yeah, I, I could definitely do it. I said, okay, whatever you do, don't take a side street. And Jonathan goes, starts, I mean, I lose him because there's such a massive crowd that day. He's, he's in, you know, and I'm like, I lost him. And Allie comes in, she's like, where's Jonathan? And I said, well, he went to buy a bag to, you know, fix, put all the equipment in because this one's broken. Uh, and we had a ton of, I mean, we had like three lights. We had poles for the, for the green screen. We had a ton of stuff there. Batteries, mm -hmm. smaller lights. And I'm like talking to Allie and looking at my watch at the same time. I'm just like, hey, what's, are you, are you that worried about him? Do you need, do you think we should call the police or something? Do you think he's not make, making it back in 45 minutes? I'm like, I'm worried because I told him not to take any side streets and something tells me that he took a side street. Um, Finally, literally, at, I kid you not, I am looking at my phone. I had been timing this guy. 44 minutes and 49 seconds in, he appears like, like a God-sent angel with a bag. And I'm like, dude, I was so freaking worried. And he's like, I was like, how'd you find this? Because it was like perfect size and everything. It had wheels on it. It had everything. And he said, yeah, I took a side street. And I was like, oh, oh, you're wrong. I had to keep this under budget, you know. Uh, and <laughs> Budgets are a thing. Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, I'm a man of my word. You said 45 minutes and I came back. 44 minutes, minutes and 49 seconds. Exactly. That was the time <laughs> that he came back and I was like, I can't believe this guy. He's perfect, and that's and and we were you know the shooting trips were amazing in that we saw so many things in Palermo that honestly I I'd never seen anywhere before like the underground especially in the Lupin Lupin bar Lupin Lupin there was a Lupin bar that I was super excited about before we went and saw a bunch of skeletons and dead bodies and underground. Uh <laughs> So it was a nice, it was a nice, like, oh, Rick and I are big friends of Lupin the Third. Italy has a special love for Lupin the Third. I have to say that. That was awesome. Uh, they had an Italian adventure for the Lupin the yeah. fourth series. Yeah. Uh, because of that. Uh, so it was really cool. They just had a Lupin bar that Rick and I took pictures outside of, which I believe you see on our Instagram uh, that we took pictures outside of. Yeah, before climbing like Down deep. 30 feet. Road. It was about 30 feet, roughly. Yeah, 30 feet. We had to go 30 feet down and to a very dark hole because a church was built around these dark holes uh, to see a well where they used to throw like plague victims down with skeletons and everything. It was cool. It was intense. It was intense. I, I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, man, every, every time though, like when we went to the Capo market, I don't know if you remember, like nobody wanted to talk to us. Like nobody, no. we literally, we had the um, the releases in hand, cameras ready. It was hot, and mm -hmm. Alessandra Ali would talk to everybody, and then she would come back like Rick. They don't want to talk. I was like, oh, and then they would look at us weird, like. Mhm. Mm that's where, that's where Manzella definitely came in and helped. Yeah, no. 
And and our Dr. Manzella, watch the documentary. She's she's in there, you know, or we identify her. She was amazingly great. She she helped him. That woman is the definition of cool. Yeah. Yes. I at one oh, yeah. at one point, the first day that we were going to stuff, maybe the second, I think. Um we're going to a church. And they had, and it was the underground. Remember when you kept walking into your own shot? Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's an inside joke that you see from us that comes from this. Because when we were editing back, Rick kept yelling at me. He's like, oh, you, you walked into the shot. You walked into the shot. And I was like, I, there's no way I'm holding that camera. <laughs> and then we'd wait and we'd see it was Rick. <laughs> so we'd be so, like, oh, there you go, walking into your own shot. So, so we... We go to this place and Manzella and just all of her coolness arrives in a Vespa with a helmet. I mean, I was just like, oh, I wish I could have taken a shot of this because this woman is so cool. And, and to give a little background on Dr. Manzella, she, uh, besides being amazingly smart, and you can see that in documentaries, mm -hmm. she talks about all of the cave systems and everything else. Uh, to me, she's like an Indiana Jones type character. She's a cave diver. She literally just doesn't. One of the caves we went to underground, pitch dark. And you see it in the documentary uh, when we're walking around those holes. It's really stuffier than you could think. Uh, Rick, I mean, you were hunched over. I was hunched over a bit. I'm only 5'8". These are really small, compact caves. Uh, uh, you know, you could think of roaches, cobwebs, everything going. No one goes here. It's super dark no lighting except for the lights that we brought with us and she would just go with a little headlamp not even on and just disappear down hallways and i'm like what are you doing look you're doing these cases we had to we had to keep up with her and then the problem was is that a lot of these places unfortunately were very very low so mm. i'm not much taller than you i'm only 510 but I felt like I was walking into the house of the Seven Dwarves of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves fame, because I, I was like, doom, 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 with my with the top of my head, and I had we all had helmets on, you know, and it was it was incredible. But I I just I remember saying, man, I really don't want to get a concussion, because we kept having to run after Manzella, <laughs> and then all of a sudden we ran into this like thing, and there were like about ten thousand cockroaches there big cockroaches and look i'm not afraid of cockroaches or anything but seeing that many it, it felt like being in the mummy right but for real and i was just like man john i, I don't know mm -hmm. he's like hey rick don't worry about it and i'm like what what do you mean he's like i i'm asthmatic and i'm this is fine and i was like wait you're asthmatic he's like yeah it's like how the hell are you breathing in here i can barely breathe he's like I, I manage. So I was worried about Jonathan. <laughs> I was worried about Jonathan, and I'm like, what? I'm like, I really should be worrying about myself, like, because this dude's breathing like a fly in here. He's nothing. Nothing is just like hurting him. You know? I mean, he's just like all good. He's all good, and I'm like, <laughs> boom, <laughs> boom. And you could hear me breathing hard because it was so wet and moist. And when you touched the walls, it felt like your hands were just going to go in there, you know, and never come out. It's terrible. 
you were very brave. You were brave. I mean, we were all brave because all of us went down these systems mm -hmm. that honestly people have not touched or seen in a very long time, except for academics like Menzella and herself, who was touring us these places. But mm -hmm. these are undisturbed. Like tourists don't go there. No one touches them. They're very undisturbed. So when we're walking in, it's musty, damp, heavy, cobwebs, roaches everywhere because these aren't maintained or upkeep. So it, it was hard to breathe. And we were all very brave. It was hard. Yeah, the, uh, it was hard. So yeah. getting those shots, we hope. Yeah, definitely had to watch it. We, yeah. we went through it. Speaking of, one of my favorite parts was going to to the Argento Puppet Theater. And, I mean, those guys, man, they were amazing. They were incredible. <laughs> you can see one of the puppitos if you're watching on video. Uh, and that was my favorite part, too. I think I still have it as our company profile pic on our website. Uh, getting to play with the puppets because it was one a, of my favorite parts. A fifteen, a fifteen. The puppet theater was really great. A a fifteen pound puppet, dude. Fifteen pound wood like hand carved puppet, and I talked to like it's funny because Ali, I would say to him is his name is um, Dario, right? Argento. Yeah. So Argento, super <laughs> cool guy, cooler than the other side of the pillow. Uh, I'm saying, look, we're going to set up a green screen here. We're going to do this. And Jonathan and I are setting everything up along with Ali. Ali's talking and sort of prepping him for everything. And I'm like, Argento, come here. And Ali just looks at me like, I'm, I'm, I, I don't understand why. Because, you know, in, in our culture, in, especially in like Caribbean cultures like in Puerto Rico and everything, it's okay to call someone by their last name. And I'm like, Argento, mm. sit here. Now, Argento, take the puppet and do this scene. Argento. And the whole damn time I'm screaming, Argento, I Argento. Like Argento, like the director. Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> Allie is just like, hey. I'm like, yeah, what's up? Because you were talking to him, or you were setting up a different shot. That's what you were doing. Um, you were doing the shot of the, of like the scene with those beautiful puppets in blue and everything. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like... Why are you calling him Argento? That's his last name. I'm like, yeah, no, it's it's a thing I do. It's you know, it's like, hey, Corral, and she's yeah, like, call one of my best friends. yeah, she's like, but no, you should call him Dario, and I was like, why? And you, you explica la situación como fue verdaderamente. No, explica la tuya. Oh, okay, okay, okay. She's like, no, but you shouldn't call him. You should call him by his first name because here it's like you don't use the last name to address a person because it feels like you're only half addressing them i was like oh and i was like hey argento i'm so sorry that i'm calling you argento would you rather i call you dario or would you rather call you argento or would you rather call dario argento whichever makes you feel more comfortable i'm very sorry about that and he saw the earnestness in my confusion about this whole matter. He's like, eh, Argento va bene. <laughs> I was like, I was like, see, he likes Argento. Everybody likes Argento. Argento was so nice. So nice. So that was the nice Seriously, if you're ever, and if you're ever <coughs> in Palermo, go to that puppet theater. 
theater. They are the nicest people. Their shows are great. Dario Junto himself is a great performer. Uh, it was amazing. And, and it was uh, the oldest, oldest uh, theater, a puppet theater in uh, Palermo. The oldest by far. Yeah, so, yeah, that's a shout out for them. They are amazingly great. Please go and see them. Uh, I hope you watch our documentary and want to see Palermo because we have a bunch of great city shots in it too uh, to show how beautiful. And, and we had is. and uh, we had so. some in, and we had some interesting people. Um, you know, we had a fella in there who is. You know, um, shall we say fond of eyeliner? And that I don't want to <laughs> say names. You got to watch it. Okay? Yeah, no. it's a debate. It's a debate. It's a topic. <laughs> um, some people are are for this debate, and some people are another. He was he was very he was very passionate about the the subject. So was the professor. Remember Professor uh, Wrigley? Did I say that right? Rigoli. 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 He was very passionate about the about the topic and, and um, just that's the thing that I enjoyed about this documentary, honestly, is the amount of passion that went into it but from our side as we were making it, but from these people as they were talking about it. And we had you know, we had people like vendors on the street talking about the story. We had a uh, a vendor in the street, uh, the one in the white. Remember that? I think I thought he was a fish salesman, but it turns out he wasn't selling fish. He was selling not, not fish. fish, not fish. Um, Wait, he wasn't selling fish. <laughs> oh, you didn't know what Fox he was selling. Can I say what he was selling? I can say it. John, do you want me to say it? I I don't I thought he was selling fish, so no, I don't know. No, 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 no. He was selling dicks. An atomic, an atomic part of uh, an, oh, certain uh, parts of animals. Masculine men. Ah Okay. I mean sure. I <laughs> The more you know. I wish I had that logo. Big animals, big animals. Because <laughs> they were big. <laughs> oh, God. Now, everything else is in a different context than I thought it was. <laughs> I think people don't understand also right now. Well, I said it very briefly, uh, I mean, very quickly, but I'm not going to say it again now because you guys have already pretty much just unlocked that bag. You know? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was something that that was interesting. Then Ali and I tried to interview another vendor who had an ice cream shop the first one of the first few days. And Ali, I remember he kept saying like something to you, but he was speaking in Italian. What was he saying? The angry Santa? Angry Santa? No, no, no. But you can lie. I can I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, he said to her that. <laughs> well, he was very afraid yeah no 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 yeah he was very yeah. please, please tell us no 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 i can't I can yeah and we 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 saw that a lot behind the scenes of really people and vendors going no 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 we don't want to talk about it like on record which was interesting as we try to get people on the street it was yeah. it was it was hard 
pulling people in. They were scared. Some people were really scared of not wanting to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was that was incredible. I mean, to... <clears throat> Bella helped out again about help comforting people to talk with us because Menzella was a person, Dr. Menzella, seemingly knew everyone. <laughs> no matter where we went, she just knew someone and helped us get through. Uh, which I wish I could like plug her work because she is her work is amazing and what she does is so her great. work and it's her love for the city really that drives her work which I think is so incredible and you know um, that's one thing that that I always seem to that I always admired about her and and still admire about her greatly because she's got that passion and I think to have a passion for where you live and understand what makes that place great is is really something that helps get that. And I, I just, I, I mean, I love her dearly. She's great. She's an incredible person. Incredible, incredible, like, lady, you know. She, when she took us to the place where the Jewish baths were in, and I, you see it in the documentary as well, that uh, was very nice. Uh, we got to pick grapes. Uh, this is, of course, not in the documentary, but they, they picked fresh grapes right off the vines. Uh that was really awesome. That grew in this nunnery, and they were kind of untouched and wildly grown. And so they were big and oh, so delicious. I yeah, they gave that. us a bag for the grapes. Like the the people there gave us that bag, and I was eating those grapes like nonstop, man. And it, and it was, I mean, it's not the traditional grape, obviously, that we buy at the grocery store. It, but it was delicious and and fantastic. And but there's one specific story from. From searching for Betty Paoli, from shooting, uh, searching for Betty Paoli, um, that stands out fondly to me. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, we're in a train, not really a train, but <clears throat> like a little choo-choo. Okay, choo -choo. and it, it took, yeah, it tells you, and and there's like a video of me saying something about that on the Instagram. I was like, we're on the choo-choo, so we're on the choo-choo. And we stop at this big, beautiful fountain. And in this big, beautiful fountain, Jonathan gets out. He's like, I got to see that. Because he had already, we've been shooting all day. And Jonathan did an amazing job shooting from like a million different angles. Like this guy's a guy that's like handling cameras from angles. He's not a, he's not a DP, but he might as well have been because he was shooting stuff from angles that even I sometimes didn't say I necessarily want to see this. And he's like, hey, let me try this angle. And he would do that. So <laughs> we were shooting in the fountain. And Jonathan, all of a sudden, I see a vexed expression in his face. And he's like, hey, man, come here. I said, sure, what's going on, man? He's like, look over there. I was like, what, the horse? He's like, no, 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 next to it. It's like, is that supposed to be, is that a monkey? I said, well, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be because we're all animals. He's like, but it looks like Julius Caesar. And I said, okay. Um, I, I didn't think about that at all. I just, just thought it was a monkey that was poorly carved. And he's like, <clears throat> so Jonathan, again, looking at it vexed, he's about to lift the camera because he had it on a scorpion. He's like, monkey Julius Caesar it's Caesar monkey and then all of a sudden we're in the choo-choo again we're not we're in the choo-choo on the like we're saying she's like 
hey man, I gotta stop by the Caesar Monkey statue. I'm like, dude, you're very obsessed with that. And he's like, yes, because it's Caesar Monkey. You don't understand. <laughs> this is a message. I said, John, <laughs> what in the F are you talking about a message? This doesn't make any sense to me. He's like, it'll make sense later. When it makes sense to me, it's gonna make sense to you. And then he, he goes, takes a picture of Caesar Monkey, right? And he comes back down, he sits next to me, he's like, okay, so what about this? What about if Julius Caesar was really a monkey? And he sits with me and tells me the whole story. <laughs> and that's an upcoming attraction, by the way, people, so don't even try it. Anyway, yep. <laughs> so he tells me this whole story, and I'm like, Dude, you got all that just from this? He's like, yeah. Like the whole story. He lays it out bit by bit. And we were in the choo-choo doing this, which was bumpy. It was a bumpy as hell ride because it's a little tourist choo-choo. You know, they have them in France too. Like, boom, 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 like a trolley, but a really small one. And by the time we get back from the choo-choo, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, this could work this could really but, work and, and if you saw that statue everyone you would have saw exactly what i saw it's like they were starting to make julius caesar and someone said nope this has to be a monkey and they went oh okay and started like carving a monkey out of it instead because every other statue around it was like an animal fountain and it was clearly like a bull a horse like everything was immaculate like it was definitely the animal that but, they wanted but the funny thing is if you hadn't actually paid attention to that i don't think i would have like seen it the way you did because i was like you don't pay attention to certain details like you know you got so much stuff to do and that's funny because jonathan would come up with these details and i'm like uh-huh <laughs> But, you know, as it is with Jonathan, I, twice in an airport, Jonathan, basically, once he bailed me out of a situation where I almost, I guess, was going to be arrested in the airport because I was complaining about my boarding pass not being there. He's like, hey, man, you need to be quiet now. Let me handle this. I don't speak Italian. I don't know what she's saying, but she did say arrogant American. So now you just need to be quiet because nice American, <laughs> nice American needs to make up for arrogant American. I know you're not arrogant. Don't get mad. Let me just handle this situation. I was carrying in that trip a bow and arrow <laughs> that we purchased in Mondello when we went with your father. And your father negotiated with him, said, with the guy, said, hey, come on, this isn't even worth what you're freaking asking. And I could tell because your father was, like, playing with the guy, kind of, and just making him feel bad about himself or some, something like that. You know, it was funny. And, you know, Jonathan says, hey, Rick, um, could you put this in your suitcase, in the check suitcase? I'm like, yeah, I'll check it, no problem. It was just... Uh, my camera equipment okay i just want to say i was full of stuff it was it was no and, it, and that's fine it was just <laughs> an innocent bow and arrow that you couldn't i don't even think it was truly wood honestly and if it was wood, five euros all of five euros so it was yeah even... it was it was like like a kid's toy 
And uh, still- so everything's fine. Everywhere we go, everything's fine. I get back. We're in the Canadian border. Or in the Canadian uh, stop, which is the first North American point of call. And because it's North American, that's where we have to recheck. A guy has a freaking picture of my suitcase. He's like, uh, sir, do you want to tell me about anything here in this suitcase, if you will? Jonathan had already checked out. He's, he's already waiting for me. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm in the duty free shop. He's, he's already in the duty free shop looking for popcorn and wine. <laughs> oh, I was like, looking for popcorn. popcorn. You're right. I was popcorn. Very angry. Yeah, you were very angry. You wanted the popcorn. And I say, I say to the guy, and I say to the guy, and I say to the guy, uh, no, there's nothing there. And he's like, are you sure about that, if you will? Because he's happened to be from Orlando, but he happened to be in Canada, so I'm, I get stuck with the Orlando guy. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it wasn't that day. He's like, okay, what if there were any weaponry in this? I'm like, and I'm worried, I'm worried, like, he found the gat or something, and I'm like, well, there's like a, like a, like a toy, it's made out of wood, it's like decorative, and then all of a sudden it shifts from me being an arms dealer, <laughs> to me carrying wood that could cause a plague in Florida. Yep. And it took all of... I don't know. I was 30 minutes trying to explain to him that it was a toy. And I was like, I'm just buying it for my son. He's a big fan of Robin Hood, you know. Um, like, the hilarious thing is we were going through customs almost at the same time. And I was like, all right, I'll meet you at the duty-free shop as he's getting questioned. And then like a half an hour later, I'm like, where's Rick? <laughs> but that happened in every trip because also in London, I told you, I was like, I'm going to go ahead and check my stuff in and you go grab the, the suitcase. They made me do the entire security checkpoint, and I end up fighting John. He's like, dude, what are you doing here? And I'm like, they made me do the entire security checkpoint. <laughs> I explained to them that I was catching a connecting flight. He's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, but, you know. Listen. And it's like 5 o'clock in the morning in London, 4 o'clock, I swear it was cold. And, and it was a Gatwick airport. And you know how I get in Gatwick. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yep. And Jonathan's like... Let's go. Let's take the little train. And let's just go. I was like, yeah, let's go. And, but it, see, to really, to really get to, to, to the biggest getaway or takeaway from this, we, you know, if you know how to have fun and really make the best out of these situations, that's what makes the process all the more fun. Yes. Like lots of fun. We had so much fun. We we wouldn't sleep a lot at the hotel. No. It was like 14 hour working days, I want to say. 14, 14 about 14 to 16 hours because but then like we would for example, you know, Alessandra's parents would would uh have us over for dinner and they had a feast for us. I mean, Beer, the best wine, the best everything. Oh, yeah, just... they got me wine. It was so cute. They got me like two bottles of wine. Yeah, it was. It was. It was like seventeen course meal of the best food. 
which when when we would take to the hotel and we would watch TV, um, we would a lot of times Hulu or do stuff like that. And, you know, we'd be uploading footage or watching footage back and everything like that. So, but it was an incredibly fun experience. And, and that's the one thing that I would say to any uh, young filmmaker to take away from this because I'm telling you the stories because I'm, you know, we're, we're all really trying to tell you it can be fun. It is, it is heavy mm. and there's a lot to go to it. But as long as you know how to have fun in a disciplined and organized manner, you're always going to make it. Always. Yeah. Yeah. And the little stories about even me going down side streets, uh, uh, which are funny because we have more of those. Every time we ran into a problem, I just disappear and find a solution. <laughs> Come back up with solutions. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know, don't let the problems deter you or the locations. If you learn how to have fun and keep going, right, you can make it happen. Problems happen all the time. That's just true. But all these stories have told you uh, Rick and Ali hit roadblocks before I even came in. And even when I was there, we hit roadblocks. But we just kept pushing through them and not really letting it stop us because Ali wanted to tell a story. Rick heard that story and was like, I want to make this documentary. And we did it. That yeah. passion drove us through. So let that passion drive you. Exactly. Exactly. So I I believe wholeheartedly that that's what should be done. We all believe that. And that's why we do what we do. And, you know, just my piece of advice for any new young production company or young filmmakers or whatever, don't give up. That's what's gonna get you to the dance, and that's what gonna what's gonna keep you in the dance is not giving up. No one understand that, you know. For lack of a better word, I'm sorry to be vulgar here. Shit happens. Mm -hmm. Figure out how to overcome it. Don't stay in thinking about this happened to me and oh whoa it's me this happened to me. Nobody's gonna care about that. Just move it forward. And at the same time, as stories have told from Rick in the past, uh, and this is something that we're seeing this reckoning in Hollywood with showrunners and everything else. Uh, this is your passion. Filmmaking is hard work, but at the same time, it should still be fun. And no one should degrade you or make you feel less in it. Uh, as you heard when Rick, when anybody was degrading Ali, it's immediate cutoff. Right? <laughs> we protect ourselves and protect others, too. Uh, that's why we always say uh, content with a conscience, because even when we're making this content, we're aware of, of our stuff. And we want to make sure everyone feels good and as a family. So exactly. I also want to say that, too. And if you hear our stories, we'll, we'll protect each other more than anything. So it mm -hmm. should be fun. We put our egos aside. Uh, so keep persevering, but never put anyone down, especially your own team. Not they should all. feel uplifted, not, uh, not the opposite. That's how you're going to keep going, create work, and feel good about what you do. That's exactly right. Ali, anything you want to say? Just, I want to say, uh, never give up and be passionate. Be passionate for everything you want to do. Awesome. That's awesome. That's good. All right. So we're going to end it here. So I think it's a good time. Any uh, last words or stories or anything that we want to say before we send ourselves off, Rick? John, actually, I wanted to ask you to let everyone know what we're going to be discussing during next week's podcast. Next week, we're going to do our wrap-up on WandaVision, our favorite show. <laughs> Since we had our little mid 
Uh, we'll come towards the end and now we'll wrap it up about it. We had the progress uh, so, report. We had the progress report. Yep, so that's our next show. So definitely tune in to listen. Have I changed my mind? Did WandaVision win me over? Uh, or am I still a cynical old man? Uh, will Rick have to then be like, oh, I can't talk to you anymore because WandaVision is so great and Allie will hate me forever? Who knows? I don't know yet. I haven't seen all of it until next week. Jo John, I would only hate you forever if you were the complete opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> If you were oh. if, if you were not a, a crank, I would not I would not love you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we are doing next week. As always, like, share, and subscribe on this podcast. Follow us on uh, Instagram, Triskelion Production. Allie's over there, right, Allie? Yeah. Yep. She'll comment back to you. So if you want to get on to her, just go on Triskelion Productions Instagram. Talk to us there. Uh, Allie manages that. She's great at it. Uh, she's the heart. She's the mother. Actually, go over there on our Instagram and say, thank you, Allie. I am the mother. Uh, Remember, I am the mother. <laughs> I'm the mother. <laughs> so respect. Respect to your mother. Yes. Uh, so and go out there and just say hi and thank you to Allie, because really, we wouldn't be here without her. So thank you for joining us so much. You have been excellent. Feel free to come back anytime. Anytime. We would love That's to right. have you. Okay. That's right. You're awesome. Thanks. All right. Thanks. And we're Thanks. very happy for that. All right. <laughs> well, good night, everybody, or good afternoon, or wherever you're at. And don't forget, watch PD Pioli. We've been talking about it. Go on Canilla, Tubi, watch it. Uh, tell us how you like it, as always. <laughs>